Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Guess who's back, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, that voice you hear is unfortunately not Captain Ahab, but it's yours truly, Damien Logan Parker Gracia. Yep, I know, I'm back. And no, no, I I know I didn't die. I didn't go run off and go to another state or country. Uh, I had to take care of some personal business. Uh, My appearances in the next few weeks are going to be a little few and far between, uh, but I haven't quit on the show. I'm still here on TalkShoe.com with the guys, and I'm not leaving anytime soon, so it's just one of those things where real life takes over. But I am back, and I'm ready to go, and fortunately for us, we don't have Rolando throwing in his corny dad jokes, so you got me and AAA uh, on this abbreviated episode, an abbreviated staff uh, episode of The Spectacular Something Other on TalkShoe.com. So let's see. Since I've missed a lot, I was brought up to speed on, I guess, that we were talking about, uh, what was that, Sixty Shades of Grey or Four Thousand Shades of Blue or whatever the hell they call that book? Fifty Uh, Shades of Bullshit. Okay. What I would call at this point, but yeah. Yeah, Fifty Shades of Bullshit. Uh, So if we're going to keep in the theme of books, so uh, I guess we can talk about the fictional worlds as we were talking about off air, about fictional worlds and what they mean to us and just our overall impressions of literature now self-disclosure i haven't read a book that wasn't for school in a long time so my book of choice is probably going to make a lot of people laugh Uh, i've mentioned it off air to the group before i have three versions of this book uh, chilling in the apartment right now i even have the original french text um, in my apartment because i love this book so much and the meaning of it and it's the little prince uh yes Folks, yes, the little prince. Yes, I know it. there's a little blonde kid on the cover standing on a planet. And I know you're probably thinking, how old are you that you're reading this book? That you have so many copies of this book. But let me tell you something. This book, I've, I was actually introduced to it by an ex-girlfriend of mine. Uh, I want to say back in 2011, she read the book and she thought about me when she read this book because she feels that I personify a lot of what the prince stands for and what he means uh so i've been told by many people that i do personify the prince and the reason why i personify the prince is because on the surface he just questions the why of a lot of stuff uh you know throughout the book and and i don't want want to do spoilers but long story short this is the journey of a of a, a young prince who's on his own planet who has his own flower that he takes care of you know no matter what side of the planet he's on he gets to see a sunset but he looks through things 
in such a simplistic point of view that all he can really question is why. Because he meets a lot of people and their reasonings, and, and he, he clarifies this as he meets all these different types of adults, and he doesn't really get why they do what they do. And, and to be quite frank, I don't get why half, time, half of the time why people do what they do. So I guess that's why um, I've been personified as that. Another self-disclosure is that when I train a lot of, you know, my background is in psychology. So when I have interns or when I have people I have to train uh, for work, I often cite this book uh, as a means of trying to fully understand the human condition in a sense of not only just empathy, but sometimes the deeper meaning is just what the meaning is. There's no rhyme or reason. There's just people's feelings and the way they perceive their own universes. Um, and again, this also goes into with the whole Shin Megami Tensei uh, digital devil saga that we've talked about prior to this about the whole, you know, we're one big old happy family. I guess that's the, the, the whole long and short of it all. And that we need to understand that we are all in this together. And it's very kumbaya-ish, but that is for me what I took from that book every day of my life where I actually have a wristband and I don't know if I, if everyone's seen it, but I have a wristband on my wrist usually, and I'll post it, um, on Twitter of the little prints that I keep with me as a form of reminding me to stay true to who I am and to always ask why, and, uh, to always question people's reasonings and always to understand. So if we're going to keep in the book vein, that's my all time favorite book. So yeah, as nerdy as it sounds. Hmm. I mean, that's not nerdy at all. I think that, like, how can you define, like, what you feel is, like, good literature? Because how many times do people, how many times do people complain that, like, things, something's too comical or whatnot? And, you know, that doesn't mean that inherently it's a bad book or that it's it's not something that you should read at your age. Uh, we brought, actually brought up this movie that uh, came out, but it was based on the book John Dies at the End. And there's a sequel to the book called, uh, there's, this book is filled with spiders. Seriously, dude, don't open it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's the, that's the name. And in it, uh, the author, David Wong, does this interesting comparison where everybody in the world is either a Tony Stark or uh, is either an Iron Man or a Batman. Okay. And in it, he compares it that there are people in this world that don't feel like they can reveal their true selves, that they kind of have to hide it because it either endangers the people that they care for or that it's something that if their real identity comes out, it's it'll be bad, a.k.a. Batman. And then there are people who are Iron Man who, you know, they just reveal who their identity is and they don't care. They just they take it in stride every day. And I never really thought of it like life being compared to that. But it makes absolute sense because really most people are one of those two things and nobody's really going to know which one you are ultimately. What's the name of this book so, again? Sorry. Uh, the book where that came out of is called, um, this book is filled with spiders. Seriously, <laughs> dude, don't open it. <laughs> Why does this sound like a, it should be the title of a book for like preteens? It, it, wow. And there you go. Another thing that I didn't think about. Oh, God. It's actually but reminiscent it's... of when I was younger. There was a book, um, a Sesame Street book with Grover on the cover. And it says, don't turn the page. 
<laughs> so it reminds me of it. Like it's telling you, do not listen to this. Don't read this book. And you're still going to read it because the, the title's catchy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it ties in with the book itself. So yeah, it's awesome. Really awesome. Uh, a lot of people ended up seeing the movie rather than watch it and then reading the book. And it sucks because I've never seen a piece of literature where there's a gun that can make beards. Wait, a gun that makes beards? It's in the beginning of the and uh, John. It's at the end. of John dies at the end. There's a gun that when you pull the trigger and you imagine something, it happens. So uh, the main character's girlfriend uses it, and when she pulls a trigger, people grow beards inexplicably. Oh, okay. And then later on, he uses it, and he kind of causes like a mic, uh, mini nuke explosion. So yeah, anything. Um. Okay, that's I did not expect that. Um, was that in the movie? Because I don't remember that being in the movie. I don't think that was in the movie. That's one of those things that they edited out. Got it. Interesting. <sighs> I feel like if we keep talking about this, it's going to lead us back to the whole books to movies and the source material is never exactly the same, sort of like Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And that's something we brought up as well. And uh, what do you call it? The Percy Jacksons. It, it tied in. So don't feel shy about bringing that up again. Okay. Yeah, man. I mean, I I, I saw, you know, and I'm going to pull the movie version of this. I saw Scott Pilgrim again about two weeks ago. And I was I was home after like a doctor's appointment. And I'm, I'm just flipping through, you know, my movies. And, you know, I, I, I once once every year I have to watch Scott Pilgrim because it's just so stupid in a good way. So obviously after a couple of like, you know, painkillers because I was in immense pain, you watch that movie loopy and you're like, what the fuck am I watching? But at the same token, if you've read the graphic novels, you know exactly what you're watching and you know what they take out. And, and that really makes me upset. Like with, with, with the Katianagi twins where they're DJs in the movie, but in the book what are they like ro- robotics experts or whatever the case may be yeah they build like a giant mecha to fight in and that's awesome that's something that should have been in the movie but they decided to have musical robo beasts a la voltron <sighs> <sighs> side note yeah did, did you know there's a new voltron coming out on netflix soon I did not know this. Yes. Is it just going to be straight up called Voltron or are they going to add some? There's something attached to it. It's Voltron something Defenders. Oh, I guess that's another thing I'm going to have to put on Netflix to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw the logo. It's out. So if you look it up on social media, I think it's like Voltron Universe Defenders or something. Um, But I'm looking forward to it. I'm just hoping they don't fudge it up like they did the Voltron Force back when, you know, I don't know if you remember that one season of Voltron, the new one. Was that the one where they? It was more than one Voltron thing floating around. I forget. It's the one where it was like a. It was cell drawn and cell shaded drawn, and they had like the RZA do the opening theme song. I feel like I remember. I feel like that was one of those things that I saw. Like, and within the first ten minutes, I just changed the channel or I stopped. And I took a <laughs> nap because anything else would have been more important than that. Well, I can't lie. I was actually addicted to the theme song, so I kept playing that on loop for a while. But yeah, the show itself is just garbage. Do they have Voltron books, now that we think about it? I don't think I've ever seen a Voltron book, ever. That's surprising. If there there is no Voltron book, they need to, because 
They make Transformers comics. You would think they made a Voltron comic. I don't know. I I I love Voltron way more than Transformers, which is probably going to get me beaten by you later. No, I won't. No, no, no. It's a robot. It's a mech. I'm I'm fine with it. It's cool. Robots robots are regardless. <laughs> now, if we were if I was the governess, she'd probably say, "What the hell's wrong with you? Like, get these robots out of here." But yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, but then again, Rolando, if he was here, he'd probably try to make it his butler or something. So, Yeah, unfortunately with that, too. Yeah. And also, I saw online something about sex robots. Like, apparently in Japan, they're, they're already making sex robots. I feel like I might have heard that. I think that they're starting to come up with something somewhere in the United States. Mm-hmm. Just to, But I'm like, uh, uh, I, this is, I mean, it's the next step to social media and <laughs> online dating. And dating Japanese sim games, so I'm not surprised. But at the same time, and by the same token, I'm disappointed, highly disappointed. Expect of Japan, though. Yeah, of Japan. yeah, that's what we always say. We always say fucking Japan. So <laughs> once again, fucking Japan. Uh, come to think of it, I don't remember when the last time a good dating sim was out. Do you recall the last time a good dating sim was out? Persona Three. Did you really classify that as a dating sim? Not entirely, but there were dating sim aspects, enough of it that I kind of consider it a dating sim, but used intelligently. Uh-huh. But, like, a pure dating sim, I have no idea. See, now, now that makes me wonder if, you know, like, remember how we were talking about Persona 3 franchises being milked dry, you know, with all mm-hmm. the games? So imagine if they created an actual dating sim for Persona 3 and 4. Ah, uh, I'm, I'm, no... No, I didn't buy dancing all night because they they're slipping away from what they they were doing. They're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. at least from my perspective. I'm not gonna even. I'm not even gonna bother. <laughs> I wouldn't even recognize that as being a lie. That would be like the Devil May Cry two of the Persona series. Uh, yeah, I, I I'd have to think dancing all night. Just that was it. That was the jumping of the shark moment. Like, you made a rhythm game based on Persona 4. Like, stop. Just, just. The fighting game was okay. The spinoff on, on the DS was fine. But dancing all night? Nah, that, that, that's the line right there. That's the habitual line step. Mm hmm. Yeah. Did you play it? What, dancing all night? Yeah, have you even played it at, at all? I, I saw the trailer online. And I'm like, no. No. <laughs> fuck that i'm out no i played it in gamestop i can't i shit you not and i i get why people like it but rhythm games have never been my thing i don't care if you put mario in a rhythm game it's not gonna happen but yeah um there was a line to play this game i don't understand why there was a line to play this in gamestop but okay whatever milk my franchise fuck you atlas for whoring out my franchise <sighs> Come to think of it, did you ever read the P3 manga? Uh, I think I only read like the first two or three chapters. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I did too. I I think I only got to the the boss where they're fighting on the train. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, I think that was where I read up to it. And then there was a Persona 3 movie, which I didn't know existed until I looked the other day on YouTube. And I'm like, hey. Wait, there is? Yeah, there's like a series, a, a, a anime series. Of pe- I can't believe they did a spinoff series before they did a movie for the game. That's That doesn't make any sense. To oh, me. you mean Trinity Soul? Yeah. Yeah. 
then they thought, hey, we'll throw Akihiko in here for a cameo, and that'll bridge together the two games. And no, just just no. But yeah, apparently they have a Persona Three animated like OVA, like done in parts, that was released in Japanese theaters. So it's on YouTube, and you can purchase it. So. Mm. <sighs> Would it be worth watching? I would watch it just to see the voice, hear the voices, and to see like the animation. But other than that, I mean, we've played the story; we know what's going to happen. You know? That's true. So well, it's not, it's not like there's going to be surprises. <laughs> I might give it a shot. Yeah, I think I might give it a shot. It's not like it's not like spoilers. Shinji, you know, stays alive in this one, but you know, <laughs> uh, that reminds me of Rolando when he was just like. Yeah, Shinji's badass, and, and like he's the only one who doesn't know. We're just like, mm-hmm. and then when he gets to it, he's like, "I hate you all." <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah, he had the Aerith death. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, we're 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 digressing from the actual point of today's episode. Sorry about that, folks. But I mean, you're trying to catch up. We haven't done a recording in a while, so I don't mind. Yeah. Oh, this seems to be aired out, and it's gonna be aired out eventually, like fully. Yeah. So I might as well just get it out now. Um. Quick reminder, I, I don't know if I told you guys last time, but the next guy, time you guys come over to the house, I changed the artwork. So Oh, you finally did. I have new artwork up. Mm. Yeah. It's okay. it's uh there's some Spider there's some Megatron and Optimus Prime, some Darth Vader. We got the Ghostbusters, some new Spider Man and Magneto stuff. All the stuff I got at Comic Con twenty fifteen, I've put most of it up now. So it's all new stuff. So what I might do is I might uh, uh, I might take pictures of it and put it on the the Instagram page since apparently we're not using Instagram enough according to uh, Captain Ahab. So yeah, I don't know why he's complaining about it. He took photos of my house and like my collection of Funkos. Mm. He has the and the material. Did he post it? Uh, last time I checked, no, he didn't. Oh my god! Then what's the point of taking pictures if you're not going to post it? I don't know. I guess he wanted to just like hang it up in his house and like look at it. (laughs) I could just we could just chip in and buy him his own pictures. I mean, if it's that serious. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, back to literature. Um, Do we count comic books as literature? Yeah, right. I I totally count as literature. Okay, because I know there are people who are detractors to uh, comic books as literature. And I saw a movie recently that talked about, it was like about a graphic artist who was trying to prove, he was a professor at Columbia or something, and he was trying mm-hmm. to prove to this woman he's dating that comic books are in fact literature because she's a literature professor. So she automatically poo-pooed the fact that comics can be viewed as such. Um, so I, I liked watching stuff like that where people are using comic books as a medium to portray serious serious tones and serious storylines and story arcs. And isn't the whole point of books is to be able to put yourself in the actual book, like, and get lost in the world you're reading about? Pretty much. So that... And I feel like... Go ahead. And I feel like every single comic book does that to some extent. Like, for all for all the bitching I do about, like, Superman and how I hate him as a character, he represents, like, the immigrant. He represents the person that's not of the world and he's trying to fit in. And, like, it might be done better. It could be done worse as well. But you you see aspects of that if you, you're not from whatever country you're, you are and you're reading that. X-Men are kind of represent everybody. 
blacks, whites, Latinos, gays. It doesn't make a difference. So, yeah, you fit yourself into those, like, images or those views. That's how, I mean, that's how I view it. Like, whenever I read something or I, I immerse myself fully in it, that's why I like um, when I play games that have storyline. Because for me, it's not so much about graphics and, and control patterns. It's more about, okay, what is this engrossing story that I can lose myself in? It's the same goes for comic books. Um, when was it? I was reading... What was it? It, it, was, it was some graphic novel regarding... Um, oh, yeah, that's what it is. My friend just got me the Rival Schools uh, manga. And I haven't played Rival Schools in about three years. You know, the original Rival Schools. But reading the manga actually brought me into the book. And it was artwork done by Udon. So you know it's going to be worthwhile. So what it did was transport me right into, you know, Gordon High School, Ghetto High School. You know, just those characters. And you want to feel as if you're there. And it's not immature to, to envision yourself and to imagine yourself in this alternate universe. You know, because it's so frowned upon like, oh, you're an adult. What are you doing reading comic books? Look, man, it could I always like to say it could be worse. I could be on meth. So, yeah, I'm reading a comic book. It could be worse. I could be snorting coke. So and then I really would think I'm in an alternate universe. So, you know what? Let me stay in my book. I'll be all right. I just like I don't understand that because one of those things that I see like when you go to Barnes and Noble or like any bookstore, you see Mouse and it's not in the comic book section and it's written in the comic book format. And it's an it's a representation of, you know, the Holocaust. So what is it that defines the fact that it is a comic book or it, and it's not a comic book or it's art or it's not art? Is it because it has car, uh, pictures? Because Mouse does. Is it because you have superpowers or like superhuman abilities? Because V for Vendetta has like a superhuman person. But that's not really what makes V important. It's the message. Yeah. And I think therein lies what we're... I guess what we're trying to tie everything into. It's... it's we read for the story and the message. You know? Um, I hate when I read books that... And, and maybe you feel the same way. It's just like it takes you on this journey. And you're so invested. And the payoff at the end, you're thinking... What the hell? Have you ever had a book like that? Uh, and that's hard for me to say. I feel like if Amanda was here, because we always argue about what's interesting in books and whatnot, she would feel that. And for me, it's like I don't always get that feeling at the end of a book because I try and interpret it in a way that it makes sense. Maybe I'm just trying to shoehorn it into a way that makes me less pissed about it. But that's always been my take in just like books and video games. Um, what was one of the books? I'm trying to think of something that just had something that might have pissed me off or depressed me. Um, but I it, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm sure that I have, but right now, no. Why? What was yours? Because if you give an example, I might be able to refresh something. Um. Okay. I don't think... Um. All right. So, do you remember the Maximum Carnage series? Yes. That. Where the first, let's say, five or six chapters where it's, you know, it's building up to this crescendo. And then all of a sudden it just became like, insert cameo Marvel person here. 
And I think for me, the storyline really jumped the jumped the shark again to use that phrase is when Captain America was introduced. Because since when does Captain America get involved in things like that? If you know the the, the history of Captain America, like does he really jump into the whole mass murderers bit? Like, and then they did the their Marvel's version of of uh, Spawn with with Death Watch, and it was just like. No, then you had Morbius. It crossed too many weird lines, you know? And then by the time we got to the end where it just became about Spider-Man, Venom, and Carnage, you were so exhausted from trying to keep up with all these random characters, you know, Black Cat, Cloak, Dagger. Like, what? Like, no. Uh, like they're shoehorning everybody. They yeah, it's like Mortal Kombat 2, the movie, where they try to throw everybody from the series into it and thusly, that led to it being so crappy. So for me, I was looking so forward to Maximum Carnage. And by the time I got to, to Chapter 10, I'm thinking, okay, this is stupid. <laughs> and that's why it's been so panned. You know, as you get older, you read like the reviews back in 94, 95. Even back then, people were saying, yeah, Marvel just really like OD'd on this one for no reason. You didn't have to put Deathlock and Captain America, I, the Firestar, yeah, I get it because her and Spider-Man have a history. You know, Cloak and Dagger, Spider-Man, them have a history. But Morbius, like, yeah, he's a Spider-Man anti-hero slash villain. Captain America didn't really need to be there. Iron Fist, like, what? What was Luke Cage? You might as well have thrown Luke Cage in there. Where the hell was, uh, where was Ghost Rider? I feel like that was something Ghost Rider would do. You know, or Daredevil, since we're talking about like street violence. Where was Daredevil? That's that, you know, it's like, what the hell, man? So that for me, that's what I what I mean, where you invest something and you're getting to the end and you're just thinking, oh, fucking hey, man, this is an-. and, I, and I finished it. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, no, I wasn't happy at the end of it. Uh, okay. Like the only thing that even comes remotely close to me is like when for comics is like when they do like a reset after the, at the end of the story like Ugh. all this drama happens like up oh, something happened in the timeline and it didn't happen really the it was so, a dream scenario yeah it's like so all that character development is they flew right out the window because they didn't feel like it fits into the universe anymore or they want to do something else it's like mm, no because their identity is different right and <laughs> Like they just they just forget it completely, and that just pisses me off when that happens. Why do you think that? Why do you think the writers do that? Because they, I think they want to make an epic story, and they're so tied into making the epic story that they they completely forget about the ending. Hmm. Do you think that's more so just because it was planned that way, or do you? Th- how often do you think they just throw stuff against the wall hoping it sticks in these situations? I that that's like difficult for me to answer because I feel like I feel like most writers, at least 80% of them don't want that to happen like they have an image or a thought that goes through their head and some of them are just like they're trying to put all their thoughts out at once and they don't think too far ahead. And other times I feel like it's like they come up with like a story or like an idea that takes years to come up with. And then the company's just like, uh, that's not that's not good. And then they have to scrap it 
after investing like years into it. Anything that come to mind? Um, let me see. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's what happened with the new 52 and just like the whole reboot, like flurry that's DC. Uh, specifically, I'm trying to remember which one of the, in the X-Men storylines is like a standalone story where there's a person that pretty much gets almost all the key figures in the X-Men killed and then it gets undone. Yes, I've, I brought this up in a previous episode where I don't know the I think I've heard about it on the comic story and where he was like the most powerful mutant and the storyline goes Professor X knew him when he was younger and he put like a, hip, uh, a psychic block in his head and then you know as like a figment of your imagination like he portrayed himself as the kid's friend like hey I'm here for you but then he yeah, realized, that's exactly yeah. what it is. And then, like, through the storyline, like, the X-Men and all the other mutants turn on him. He kills all of them. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the whole thing is resolved by the, what do you call it, Xavier going back in time and preventing his parents from meeting up. And I'm like, are you serious? Right. That's That's the big reveal that we had for it. And at the end of it, it's just like, you had this powerful mutant and then nothing. It's like what? Get get out of here, man! And that's like part of what it is because that says a lot about like Xavier at the time and what he did. Like that he's was. I mean, it was pretty obvious that he's done some underhanded shit through the series. But that's another example. It was a point like where the rest of the X Men were kind of, were like set, like breaking apart and they were doing their own thing and they all got killed off. Mm-hmm. And this was just another hurdle in that world. And they, rather than confront the hurdle and, like, take it as it was, they just, they discarded it. And that's, like, disgusting to me. Yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of what happens in the books for the most part. It's just, I think I heard someone say it's because the writers write themselves into a corner a lot. And then when they all compare notes, it's like, oh, crap, we have no way of getting out of this alive. So let's just say it never happened or let's reset reality or something like that. What's the term Alonda uses? MacGuffin? They use like a MacGuffin device. MacGuffin, yeah, that's the word. To just hit the reset button. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite? Who's one of your most favorite um, literary characters? Ooh, one of my favorite literary characters. I'm trying to think. Um, I would probably say one of my favorite characters in a literature book is... You see, this is one of those moments where it's controversial because my favorite book of all time is um, Paradise Lost. And in the book, the main character is Satan. Okay. yeah, and you're like, oh, this is not something we should be recording. But it's an alternate interpretation where, you know, Satan was just a part of the universe that God created, even his fall was. Mm-hmm. So was he inherently good? Is he inherently bad? Or is he just progressing the world as it was meant to be, pretty much? And that's an interesting thought because it makes him like a doomed figure in comparison to other characters. If you want like a less... A uh, surprising one. I would say the main character, uh, David from 
John dies at the end. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, how many things happens to him? He ends up getting drugged. His friend gets an out-of-body experience. He has to fight paranormal things. Some of these things that can wipe his existence from the world, like the world forgets him. It's revealed at the end of the book, spoiler alert for everybody that's still following, he died and he's apparently a clone. What? That the enemy created. Yes. Okay. Like he goes into his shed and he finds his like frozen body. And they realize that the current David is like a clone. Okay. Interesting. All right. Now, now I feel like I, you know, you actually just uh, hit something on the head for me. I'm more interested now, in, and and this does not make me a Satanist, folks. Like the history of Lucifer himself, like the 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 story arc, so to speak. Not you know, I'm not worshiping the devil or anything like that, but. It seems interesting, like, the Forgotten Son, what, why? Like, he's been chronicled as the Fallen Son, so why? What happened? What did he do to piss God off? And don't give me what happened in the text. Give me, you know, if you want to make it a a fictional book, like you said, Paradise Lost, I think I'm going to read that, because that seems interesting to me. Because no, you know, the term demon has been so demonized, if you pardon the pun, um, like, if you've seen Yu Yu Hakusho, the, their versions of demons, yeah, they do uh, have some of them that typical monstrous look. And then a lot of the time, a lot of these demon types look like regular humans, you know? So, if and, I read a book... they go through, like, regular things. They worry about their sisters. They yeah. want to protect their family. It, what makes them different is their power. Right. That's the and only thing that's, that's different. Right. And for me, that's intriguing because it's not the whole... Demons are evil and they're going to eat your soul. Like, okay, yeah, that's that's one interpretation. Let me read from the other side. Like, you know, there, there's got to be a reason these dudes got kicked out of heaven. And it wasn't just because they disagreed with God. You know, it's like, hey, like we go back to the ordering chaos thing. Chaos doesn't have to mean maelstrom. Chaos doesn't have to mean tumultuous nonsense. It could pretty much mean, it could pretty much mean like out the norm. Things that aren't the norm. You know, sort of how like God is the parent, Lucifer is the kid. I don't like you. I want to strike out on my own. Get out of my house. You know, and and, and again, I'm coming from a perspective of I'm not religious, but that's how I break it down. Like he's the young kid and he was just like, get out of my house. And then he was like, oh, I got thrown out of my house. So I'm going to make my own posse. Uh, that's how I, sh- uh, how I want to read this book now that you've brought it up to me. Like, is it something like that or is it more chronicle? It it's kind of, sort of like chronicle. It kind of, I'm trying to think of a way to explain it to you in a way that doesn't, uh, what do you call it? Give too much. The way that I would take it is that the idea that God created Adam and Eve, and that you know the devil did what he and like Lucifer did what he did because of his own free will, and that Adam and Eve fell because of their own free will. The book interprets as did they actually have free will? will? Or was it that God already knew that this was going to happen in its action and it's his action that led to the fall and not us individually and entirely? Oh, so sort of like it's all God's plan. Right. Interesting. And that's part of like why it is that they um, like the way that I would say is like the way that Lucifer is introduced is very similar to how Adam and Eve is introduced. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have man and devil, and they're 
very similar, but that doesn't mean that they're inherently bad at that point either. Interesting. Okay. No, actually, you know what? I am going to bu- when we get off here, I'm going to wind up putting that book on my tablet. So, thanks for the recommendation. <laughs> Plus, it'll freak people out if they see me reading it like on like on the train or something. Like, why is he reading about that? He must be a satanist. No, dummy, I just want to read. Okay, so before we get out of here, let me um let me end this with a and cuz it's a short episode and we kind of have to do other stuff, but um I hate saying but um makes me want to take a shot. But <laughs> if you've seen the How I Met Your Mother episode, that's what that means. Uh, okay, you mentioned literary, you know, characters you like. So you know I'm going to go the opposite way. Give me someone that you've you've read about that you're just like I want to slap the shit out of you. Okay, I'm. I've already said that about Fifty Shades, so I'm not going to touch that. Right. I'm going to give the the book that I actually hated the most prior to Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh wow! And this is Dracula from. Bram Stoker's. Dracula. I knew you were going to say that because you've talked about this off air. Go ahead. Right. Um, I didn't finish the book because I didn't feel like there was enough development in characters. And trust me, that says a lot. I think character development is incredibly important. Like, you have to have a reason to hate and love people. Like, you can... The example that you love to hate somebody, it makes sense in literature. And it's you don't get that from Dracula. He doesn't seem mysterious. He doesn't seem scary. He just lives in an abandoned ca- in like castle. So it's like he's a hobo. There's no, there's nothing about him that makes him seem charismatic. There's, it's just like a, a dry character. And I feel like that more than anything is what makes me hate a, a, a literary character. Because even in comparison to like, um, what do you call it? Game of Thrones, where everybody hates Joffrey because of all the stuff that he does. You hate him for a legitimate reason. You hate him because he's a spoiled child that pretty much caused what was the equivalent of World War One in Westeros. So that makes him more likable in my in my viewpoint. Mm, more likable, right? Okay. See, when you're describing the Bram Stoker's Dracula, because I did see the movie somewhat, I'm just thinking of a grumpy old man who's like, get off my lawn, kid. Like, he's the guy that wants to be left alone because he's a grumpy old man. So when you say hobo, that makes me laugh because, I, you know, whoever, the I think it was Gary Oldman, he looked like a hobo Dracula. So that makes perfect <laughs> sense. <laughs> hobo Dracula. Hashtag hobo Dracula. Oh, God, I hope that doesn't become a real thing. I'm going to put that on Twitter. And again, you can follow us on HMS Spectacular on Twitter, uh, Spectacular Something on Instagram, and Spectacular Something at gmail.com. That's about right, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, ladies and gents, uh, I'm back temporarily. I will be back again next week. And then after that, I'm going on another uh, hiatus, but I will be back in March uh, full time. Uh, if I'm not dead <laughs> or if I haven't been kidnapped by aliens. So, um, that Johnny, I want to say thanks for letting me come back on and talk to the people and, and kind of explain, you know, where I've been and, and why I've been missing. So thanks a lot. It's good to have you back because yeah. I don't know how much longer I can just handle a row. You know, I've gotten that from people who have listened to the show since I've left and they're just like, what is wrong with your boy row? And I'm thinking, Hey, that's him. You know, that's what he does. <laughs> But people have said they want more of you. So if that's any indication about what you mean to the show, since you're the voice of reason, 
Take, oh, God, take, now they're going to give me performance anxiety. Thank you for liking me, folks. <laughs> so it would be better if no one liked you, essentially. <laughs> See, I don't care if people hate me or like me. I'm okay. I'm just the moderator half the time, so I'm good. But, hey, if if, if we get fans that like you more than me and, or, or Roe more than anybody or I'm the most hated guy on the show, far be it for me to complain because at least people are talking about us. So, again, you can find us on TalkShoe.com. I know we're in the midst of trying to find a better streaming service where we could potentially do a live episode uh, here's and there's uh, and to generate more, I guess, uh, traffic and flow. Uh, I, I do help sponsor this program. I don't mind doing it because this is my team. I like the team. I like the, what we're trying to do here. And hopefully we can get this YouTube streaming stuff, especially when P5 comes out, uh, you know, Dark Souls 3, when obviously you're going to, be immersed in it and Rolando's going to complain and I'm just going to be like what the hell am I watching here because <laughs> I guarantee you that's what's going to happen I'm going to have a couple of holy shit moments like I'm a, watching a wrestling event I'm going to be like holy shit what the hell is this um, oh for a future reference I am attending the March 28th Monday Night Raw at the Barclays Center so I will have my own report after the fact uh, that week so I'm looking forward we need to do that wrestling episode. Then. I will prior to that. I will do the wrestling episode. I'll preface it right before WrestleMania. Uh, if it's me and it's you, maybe I can bring my friend Albert on and we can talk about wrestling. So there you go, guys. Again, HMS Spectacular on Twitter. Spectacular something at gmail.com. Spectacular something on Instagram. Uh, thank you again for having us this week. Uh, I speak for AAA. Have a good weekend. Have a good week. Stay warm, everyone in New York City. And this is your friend Damien Logan Parker Gracia signing out. Later, everybody. And this is AAA. Later, guys. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.